I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 9, and it is the second part of a gay and an NB double feature. Ooh. If you like Bravo, if you want to listen to all our thoughts on everything Bravo, this is the place to be. And what do we have in store this week? We have uh, Jersey um, coming up. We have... Uh, Miami, we have Vanderpump Rules, but first, but, um, for the first time ever, <laughs> we have the Potomac Reunion, the second part. I am so excited. I am. I have a lot to say about this reunion. This was a. I mean, this reunion is is going down. I would say in the history books, in terms of Potomac Reunion, well, in terms of Housewives reunions in general. Um, I am opinionated, and uh, we'll get into it later. But I think we're both of the same opinion of like. This is uh, defining in terms of like we might see some shakeups on this show. I didn't. I hope so. I didn't think it was honestly fathomable with this cast because of how long they've been like. But we might see it, and more and more than I thought in terms. I mean, but honestly, we were in a similar place when when Roni had that big shakeup. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't nearly as dramatic, but it was in a similar like everyone's been here forever. Like I'm, I'm very, I am very like. Um, it takes a lot for me to want to get rid of a housewife. Yeah. For, in many regards, like I think things like racism and like, you know, the, you know, the really terrible stuff. The, I don't know why this reunion, like, and, and it's good, but it's like, there were some people where it's like, you have overstayed your welcome in a way that I just did not think is, could happen, but might happen, but we'll get into it. Well, and it, it's frustrating because it seems like most of the things stem from people getting cast on housewives knowing what housewives is yes but i also think there's some ogs that have lost the fucking plot but yes but i think that like well i mean let's get into it giselle has been that way since day one Yeah. yeah and potomac is not one of the og shows like it was a let's try this again version of uh dc which was <laughs> yeah. famously a failed show, uh, mainly because they tried to break into the White House. <laughs> Why they did that, I have no clue. Um, and we'll never know because we're not watching uh, it. We're not watching it. Um, but, I mean, clearly she knew what she was doing from the moment she started the show. And I feel like somebody like Karen also knew what show she was on, but the thing is but she Karen hasn't can, weaponized it. And Karen can adapt. And can, and Giselle is too set in her ways and in a way yeah. that is not conducive to this show. Um, we come back in from the Candace and Giselle fight and Candace talking about her dwindling uterus, et cetera. Why? Um, and then we, uh, well, and it's like Candace makes the point of like, you sat there and you and basically said like Chris made you feel uncomfortable, but we have yet to, like you have yet to tell me what he did to you, and it's just and even Andy asks what exactly at one point Andy asked what exactly did he do? Well, and yeah, he says did he do something or was it just the situation? And Giselle at one point goes, I think this is getting into semantics, and it's like. Yeah, because that's the issue, Giselle. We're like because I hate when people say that we're getting into semantics because semantics matter. Like what words you use matter. Yeah, like words have different meanings. Like they may be similar meanings, but when we parse out what word we use, we can you know figure out the correct definition of what happened. Yeah. When you use adjacent words, 
you muddy the meaning. Yeah, and it's like, but it's all in this term means to like gaslight at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I, and, I, and people overuse that term sometimes, but it's really the case. Like she keeps saying at this point, like, "Oh, Candace, I think you tried to make this a bigger deal than it even actually was." That like basically, like Candace, you were the like you are the one that was. Uh, extending this and it's like no just, Candace wasn't the one bringing in Deborah and like having dinner and not just if Ashley bringing in Deborah but like having lunches with Deborah to get the tea and then spreading that tea you were doing that Giselle like, like you literally exploded a a conversation amongst co-workers basically yeah into nigh sexual harassment it's like like and then your you and your team of gremlins over there also exploded someone being polite into like trying to flirt with somebody at a bar instead and you also exploded out like um what was the other one there was a third thing that he allegedly did. Oh, um, you know, just a, a innocent reply to a, a Instagram story got turned into yeah. trying to get in somebody's pants. Like, stop it. Like, you're the one that made the bigger deal out of anything than than it actually was. And then as Giselle tries to make this the new point of, like, Candace made it, was the one that actually made it worse. Like, Mia starts piping up defending Giselle and being like, no, yeah, Candace, it's your fault. And it's like, Mia, shut up. D like, 15 minutes ago at the point of this reunion, Giselle was accusing you of embezzlement. And now you're, like, up her ass? Like, you like, so desperately want to be a green-eyed bandit so bad. Like, if she's lucky enough to come back next season, Ugh. which I don't see happening. Because it's getting even worse on Twitter today. Like, But if she... Um, if she somehow gets onto the show next season, I wouldn't be surprised if she walked in with green contacts. That's how desperate she is it's, to be a green eyed bandit. Me, me, we'll see. We'll talk about it too later, but it's, a, it just feels like Mia will say anything at this point. It, oh yeah. It's like, um, and like, <laughs> I love Candace just like finger point across Robin going, shut up. Like didn't even look at her. Yeah. Just finger <laughs> um and so they move on to andy tries to bring this on to ashley and talk about the deborah stuff uh, but like and he's like asking like when ask ashley when you saw the tape back of what actually happened with the interaction between chris and deborah what did you think and she's like yeah i was really i had a lot of questions because it was very different than what deborah said happened uh but deborah maintains that the audio wasn't matching his mouth okay like what so are you what is the like think ashley says shit where she doesn't think it fucking through it's like are you saying production brought in a voice double it's chris's voice it's deborah's voice well it, the reason it doesn't match up is because they were matching production audio with security footage yeah it's inevitably not going to match up but like like she can't it's so stupid she can't think through like the base level of these like bullshit excuses and then like andy also brings up the thing that like deborah bringing up the whole happy eddie thing and he was like it seemed like a bit of a reach like he smiled at them like so he was polite well and like wendy uh, brings up perfectly of like the men in this group think like they can't even do like basic levels of human decency without being accused of something at this right. point. And like, that's a problem. Well, it's going to get to the point where none of the men will want to be on the show at all. I mean, like why say would what, they? say what you will about Juan, but like he had a point not wanting to be on the show. Sure. I, 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 I yeah. I mean, 
It's just so ridiculous. So then they transition into the talk about the Candace's Instagram Live video and Robin playing it on the speaker at the dinner in Miami. And like, can't the fact that Robin still doesn't get it of like, this was stupid on your part. Like beyond the fact that like Candace later in the video was saying positive things about your business specifically. And like, it's like, and what I find weird is Candace makes the right point of just like, instead of as my friend, since we are close friends coming to me and saying like, Hey, what's with this Instagram live video, you decided to bypass that and bring a speaker to a dinner party to shame me in front of a group of people when you're my friend. Like supposedly. And Robin tries to twist that in the idea of like, and ties it into the Giselle stuff of like, you keep wanting things off camera. You keep wanting, and that's not fair. And it's like, Ain't nobody said nothing about off camera. You could have pulled her aside on camera. She's not making the distinction of off camera versus on camera. Like you tried to have a moment for TV by shaming her in front of a group. And that's not what a friend does. And honestly, you could have had a nice heart to heart moment, you know, on camera. And would have had the same effect of like a... It would have had a better effect because you actually would have gotten to the truth of the situation and it wouldn't have become a blow up. But, but, and then the best thing is that she's making this point of like, everything that we do and say in our life should be on camera. Bitch! Two weeks later. And it's the cut to the Watch What Happens live interview. And Robin being like, like... Andy being like, Candace is really upset about this. And Robin being like, what does this have to, what does Candace and Chris's stuff have to do with my, the, the stuff with Ron in the hotel room I'm just at all? so exhausted. I, I'm so exhausted from this. Like, I, I'm done. And I know that we still have one more week and next week is a, uh, an hour and a half episode. And I think it's because we have the hour of the or original. Uh, yeah, we have the hour of the regular reunion and then another 30 minutes of Andy grilling uh, Robin. Um, hopefully that ends with a nice little splash across the screen. Robin will not be returning for season eight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, an end we can dream. Yeah. They, they asked a question about, like, Candace uh, saying that Robin was the most loyal and, like, what about Wendy? And Wendy, I guess, did kind of take it a certain way when Robin said that, and, or when Candace said that. And Wendy actually said that she told Candace at the table when she pulled out the Bluetooth speaker, like, is that your loyal friend? Like, is that loyalty? And it's like, Wendy had a point. And Candace even was like, yeah, yeah, point. Wendy always got a point. So we take a com- uh, commercial break for them, and the husbands come in. Um, Wendy gives Eddie, like, the briefing of, like, everything that, like, Mia said about, like, oh, my opportunistic husband filming me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love Wendy being like, I said to her, ooh, you want one? Like, <laughs> Wendy was feeling herself so much, and and good on her. She deserved it. Um, we cut back, and then we get to the, the uh, Giselle Giselle's own segment, which, like, I found it very odd that, like, in the video package, most of it was about Karen. Like, like it was about Karen's live show. It really like when yeah, ha- that was the one frustration I had with uh, production for this season of Potomac is that they uh, seemed desperate to shade uh, Karen's show when from all accounts of people who were actually there, it was 
very misrepresented on, they keep on being the show. Like, they keep being like, and we don't even know what the show technically really is. It's like, a variety show. It's clearly a variety show. I don't see the confusion. It's not that hard. They've been doing variety shows since the 40s. And I, but I love Karen playing it off of just like, you know, you know. oh, and my inspiration for it was Carol Burnett and Wendy Cohen. I thought you said your inspiration was Wendy Williams. And Karen I mean, like, I see your shade, Andy. I see it. <laughs> Um, and Karen brings up like, cause they bring up the whole, like Karen, like is like jumping over people in their endeavors in terms of all the stuff they're doing. And she brings, she says that when she announced her fragrance years ago, she said that candles were coming on the way. And so she had technically announced candles way before Wendy came to her about the, which I kind of believe actually like. Sure. But just because you said something once a couple years ago does not count. It doesn't know. Mm-mm. I mean, like, I, I, I also didn't think it would. I, I give Karen a pass on the candles thing because it's like, I feel like it would have been shitty for her in that moment to be like, you know. And see, I, I disagree. I feel like letting her know would have been the right thing to do. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Like, I don't think Wendy felt shaded by it. So That's my cares? thing. Well, I don't think Wendy really cared. Like, I think yeah. it only honestly promoted her candles more. Yeah. Um, and they talk about Karen calling her friends, fans, the Ladoms. And then she, you know, I, when I'm at my live shows and I'm just like, Ladoms rise. And like, uh, Karen was on something at this part. And, of the then, and then Andy said, what would you call, um, you know, fans the Robins. of the Robins? She said, boring. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, and then we go to Giselle. So we go to Giselle now for her segment. Cause this is by the way, her segment, um, and t- to talk about the hysterectomy that she had. And this was, I mean, she, Giselle says that she had gotten the most feedback from her whole time on the show when it came to this, and then Candace under her breath going, because it was the first time you were real about something, which, not wrong. Not wrong at all. And I think, you know, she starts to talk about, like, everything she went through and that like it was supposed to be like a three and a half hour surgery but it ended up being eight and a half hours right and, and they had to keep her overnight and her daughters were were and she start. i think this was such so telling she starts to get choked up and then says to andy we'll talk about it later and then andy goes no we'll talk about it now we're at the reunion like yeah like number one you are not producing this number two like it's about time in seven seasons where you find a drop of vulnerability. So we're not skipping so that you can put your face back on. And we're I, actually diving into this. And I think this is the consensus of like, we want these vulnerable moments from Giselle. And I think, I don't know what it is of her background that like stops she, her, but I know exactly what it was. She was the first lady for a church. Sure. Like you don't sit up on that stage every Sunday while your husband preaches and not have every bit of that mask on. Yeah. Like, she has literally, literally never had a public life in which she is not playing a persona. Yeah. You, I mean, really, you do have to play a persona in that role. It's like... So, I mean, this is really just an extension of that. Yeah. And she, they then transition to asking her, in, term, in terms of that, also, like, the question of like, you don't seem to be that transparent about certain things, but then demand transparency from others. And she's like, I talked about the hysterectomy on the show. It's, it's on what producers show. Like if I ask anyone in this group a question and they don't want to answer it, that's fine. And Karen rightly points out, but you do drag them for it though. 
Right. And Karen is completely right. Karen dealt with this this whole season. Every season. The Her saying, I'm not friends with Cherise, was apparently not enough for Giselle and Robin, and they kept pushing the fucking issue. So, no, if, they, if Karen didn't want to talk about something, you didn't just drop it. Like... You I mean, literally, this started in season one, though. Yeah. Like, they they literally have done this to Karen and held her to to uh, releasing every vital bit of her life and never done the same for them. And that's them, meaning Giselle and Robin. They both did the same thing. Yeah. And we get into a little more about the stuff with him, her and Jason. There's apparently a 16-year age difference between the two of them. Which I felt was icky because he's then only 18 years older than her oldest kid. Yeah. Which I just... That, he's at least uh, in his 30s. Which yeah, he's I, 36, but she's like... Uh, like, I just... Uh, like, it, I'm not, like, putting shade on her for being older, and I think it would be different if she didn't have kids or if she had younger kids. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that's too close. Like, that's... It's... It's into Creepyville. Like when you were in, if you're getting into the point where you are an, were an adult or almost an adult when this person was born, that's a problem. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, if, if the, I, I want to see what the girls think of him at the end of the day. I, they, according to Giselle, have co-signed. But they we'll like see. him, but who knows if she's being truthful about that. Yeah, that's fair. So we go into Wendy's segment, and this is the part where it gets real, like, I got so, in- I mean, a good rally behind Candace and Wendy, but also we're so annoyed with certain parts. They've, and it starts immediately, because we start playing her clip package, and we see in the little box in the corner as they show people, Giselle is literally, like, doing her makeup with her phone as Giselle's pa- or as Wendy's package is playing, which we'll get to later, but, like, shows just the complete disrespect that Giselle oh, has completely. for her. Um, and then they talk about her trying to do the restaurant with Peter and that she says that like Candace and Ashley, both having people with experience in the restaurant industry, like trying to talk her out of it, which like, yeah, I mean, no, don't open a restaurant. Come on. Like, especially not like even on the tail end of the pandemic, like restaurants are still not 100% back to where they were pre pandemic. Like it's not the time. And so, but then that transitions into this whole stuff with the Peter, like the Peter dynamic. And this is where it's like, I feel like Mia just changes her answers every time, which is just like, they, Andy asked like, Mia, what the relationship between her and, and uh, Peter is. And she was very just like, I mean, we're friends. He's, he's friends with G. It's like on the show, you were like, he is like the closest family member to me. He's the only, he's the second ever man to hold our daughter. Like, he's like, you know, like she's extremely verbose on a lot of things, but you know when she clips her responses like that, she's hiding something. And I just didn't understand, like, well, but it's just like it's a different story every time. On social media, when the fight aired and like all that stuff, she was very much like, "It was wrong of me to do that. I regret it to this day. It's one of my biggest regrets from the show, etc." And now at the reunion, she's not taking any accountability. And she's just, like, fully being, like, well, Wendy was pissing me off and she was bringing up stuff that I didn't think she should have been bringing up. It's, like, I did not understand this for the life of me, why she just will say one thing and then another. Um, She tries to say that she didn't intend to argue with Wendy. No, you set up the whole fucking thing. That's why you went to bar one in the first place. You went off to go talk to Peter to get the tea to then bring back to the table. You were trying to start that fight. And when it wouldn't escalate, like beforehand, then you threw a drink on Wendy out of nowhere. 
just to escalate things. Yeah. Like it wasn't to that point. Nothing Wendy had done deserved that. So, and then Wendy starts to like get clap back at Mia and then Mia pulls out the like, Oh, well we want to talk about the reason why you're really mad and that you gave Peter the cookie and that, you know, you know, and, and it seems like she's saying that they had sex at bar one and like, or like at one of his restaurants and she saw like security camera footage. It's like, what are you talking about? You're just mad. She didn't give you the cookie. It's like, I just didn't understand this. And <laughs> Wendy being like, you're fucking for lobster. <laughs> and Karen being like, Oh, we fucking for lobster now. Um, that was funny. Um, and then we get into sort of, um, cause we're still talking about the fight and we get, but we get into the sort of hypocrisies of the fight. And, uh, Robin gets asked about sort of why she was calling Wendy an antagonist in the fight when like Mia threw a drink on her and like, how can you fucking be an antagonist? I still don't believe like they played footage of Robin telling her you don't want to fight right now because it will ruin your career. And yet, so yes, they did play that unseen footage. I agree with Wendy though, that it doesn't change the context of what the, what Robin was doing during that whole dynamic. Like Like, I get it, it's frustrating because Robin always will come back after the fact with a valid reason, but it's not supported by her actions in the moment. Yeah. Like. Cause Karen, the, Karen even brings up, then why did you like, I didn't, what you're saying I didn't want Wendy to fight that Karen brings up. Then why did you say either fight or shut up? Right. Like, like Robin, like, because the argument that Robin was making here at the reunion is that Wendy has a a reputation outside of housewives that she needs to maintain. Which is true. And that that getting involved with a physical altercation would tarnish that reputation, which is true. So, like, I get and I even agree with Robin's reasoning after the fact. But that is not supported by, by the actions did. that she did in the moment because what she was doing in the moment was egging it on almost. Like, some of the things that she said weren't really egging it on, but a lot of them were. And so it was, she was just... Can, can you say she was gaslighting, as Karen uh, would say? Because <laughs> then Robin tries to bring Karen into this, and it's like, I thought Karen should have broke it up, but she detached herself from the As if to blame Karen, it's like... And Karen's like, you are not going to bring my name into your bullshit. Like, stop it. Like, yeah. Why am I in it? <laughs> yeah. And she says that Camp Robin was being a gaslighter when she meant pouring gas on the flame. Yeah. And so, it, no, I wouldn't say gaslighting because I actually do know the definition of that word. Um, I would like, say that it is akin to throwing gas on the flame, though. Yeah. And then we get into the dynamic of, like, her saying that, like, Sharice didn't hold her back from the fight at the dance studio. And well, when Robin's saying that she didn't need to hold me back is what I meant or whatever, when, which is not what you said. Which, the line, right? Again, a- after the fact, I get and agree with her argument, but that is not what you were saying in the moment. But I also agree with Wendy in the sense of like, if we are having a verbal argument and we are both sitting and then you get up and stand and walk towards me, that is your aggravating your uh, especially when robin has a history as we of, see of getting in people's faces yeah. you know like it's not even just like like what happened um i don't even know what restaurant they were outside of but with monique with the umbrella thing yeah like she charged monique and monique put that umbrella 
between them to hold her back. Um, and if we look back at the the action she was taking uh, at Ashley and <coughs> his restaurant, um, where Ashley was literally being forced to like bend over backwards, literally bend over backwards to get some distance between them. Yeah. Like, girl, I'm not going to use the word aggressive because you are still a black woman at the end of the day. But I think when Wendy is is questioning her safety in a moment where you were making actions where you have previously made the same actions and put someone's physical uh, self in danger. Yeah. She has a right to feel that way and has a right to speak up about it. And even Andy says, like, if you if you had been arguing and you had gotten up and got to the point of where the center table is, I would instinctively, as the moderator, get up and put and try to hold you back. Which credit to Andy, like he's literally been like shoved out of the way before yeah. in some of these <laughs> reunions. And the fact that he's still willing to get up there and get in between, uh, good on him. So then we get into sort of the hypoc- more hypocrisies of the fight. There's talk about Ashley being a hypocrite because she defended Monique in the courts for, during the Candace fight and then stuck up for Wendy during the Mia fight. And I kind of understand that being hypocritical, but I also, I, I hate ever like sort of like seeing Ashley's side and things, but I kind of get Ashley's point of like everyone in the Monique situation had already rallied behind Candace and this was going through a legal system where the, you know, Monique, like there was talk about possibly taking Monique's kids away. Right. So I, I was going to write a statement for her and like, in this scenario, no one was coming to Wendy's aid. Yeah. And I think that that is well, a key and, difference. And we, we talked about it offline. Like, the difference is, is that when the fight between Monique and Candace, both of those women are darker-skinned black women. Yeah. And um, they are on equal footing at that point, right? Right. As opposed to in this situation between Mia and Wendy, Wendy is the darker-skinned woman, so everyone's going to side with Mia. And, and and we get into the colorism discussion later, and I thought the discussion went extremely well. I mean, we'll get to it, but um, this is just kind of like a precursor to that of different situations were handled differently amongst this cast. And I don't think anyone consciously said, you're darker, I'm going to hate, hate you. No. But it's like, it goes back to that ingrained, like, bigotry that... All of us raised in a bigoted society have ingrained into us, and we have to actively work to deprogram that. Yeah. And so this this really gets into the, also the portion where I got done with Giselle. So then we get into Giselle's hypocrisy of, like, why she stuck up for me instead of Wendy if, if she was so against violence in the Monique situation. And she tried to be like, this isn't a, a different... Uh, this is a different situation. Monique got assaulted Candace, etc. And then... Andy, I think, does a good... Andy was great with questions this reunion. He brings up the point of, like, you're saying that Chris made you feel uncomfortable, right? So why don't you listen to Wendy and saying about how she feels in this moment? She had a drink thrown in her eyes. You know, can you... Like, like why not look at what how she's feeling? And this was so gross. Giselle is just nodding as Andy's saying this, and, he, and she's like, mm-hmm. I don't like her, and that's why I don't care. And good on Karen and, and Candace for both going, 
And that's the problem. That's and like, and also by the way, as she's saying this, and and by this whole, I think pretty much if I have to look back, but these two parts of the reunion, I don't think Giselle's looked at Wendy once. There is such yeah. a disdain, like a, and that is so. I just think that's so gross on a pers- a human personal level to be that you know nasty to someone and like it's like at the end of the day Giselle not only are you a former first lady you have three fucking daughters and like that's the example you're gonna be at the end of the day yeah what has Wendy done that's been so offensive to you that not any of these other women have done in the seven years of this show Wendy has not done any more or less than any of them actually I'd say less because Wendy really hasn't gone below the belt she hasn't dug deep against anybody she hasn't campaigned against anybody and let's be honest in perspective she was defending herself last season in what she felt was giselle trying to you know bring out these rumors about eddie to try to cast the narrative like she's doing with chris this season right she was defending herself by the end of the day and i think it's just ridiculous that the idea that she that this thing like Giselle is, it's, I mean, it's beyond bitter at this point. It's like, it's, it, yeah, it's beyond bitter. It's vicious. Yeah. And when, and I felt just terrible. Like Wendy starts crying at this point about how fucked up that fight was and how fucked up the reaction in that was. And she tells me like, I, it took everything in my power not to beat the shit out of you in that moment. And that the only reason in, in the Bahama or in Mexico, I should say, when uh, I went to your room to hear you out and try to, for you know, get past this, the only was reason I did that was to advance the group and for the group's sake. And that to me is so frustrating because there is a not insignificant chunk of this group that clearly does not care about Wendy on a very personal level, like basic human level. And so for her to do that is just so it's sad. It's it's really disgusting. And and Giselle looks like an idiot. Like I, she looks like an absolute moron this reunion fully, yeah. and we'll also get to it. Um, well, we'll get to it now because then they go into what we were talking about before, in that they make a point to have sort of this like larger discussion about colorism. I really wish that they had brought in a moderator. I, yeah. I understand um, Andy's um, hesitance and ultimate decision to step back from the conversation. Because it really wasn't his place. Yeah. Um. So good on him and good on uh, Bravo for making that decision to to step back and let the ladies really have this conversation amongst themselves. But I really do think that it would have been beneficial to not only have a moderator to pose questions, but also have someone who had um, the ability to ask fan questions. Yeah. Um. And bring that dynamic well and they sort of let candace moderate which apparently according to her on twitter she didn't want she wanted a mother uh assumingly a black woman or someone in but that she was the only that. one who wanted a moderator everyone else was fine with not having one yeah i think the problem with her being the moderator i think she did a good job mm-hmm. i think uh, inevitably because she was the moderator except uh talked about a lot of the colorism that she faced in her time on the show i i think it would have been better to focus on specifically the colorism Wendy had faced this season. Right. And cause she, they start, she starts by like reading the definition of colorism to sort of like be like, we need to agree on the definition before we sort of go into the conversation. And she talks about sort of the, like the favoring of, of uh, people with lighter skin tones. But she also in, in the definition, she talks about like 
the it says the mistreatment and exclusion of darker skin tones, and I think that is the key, like but particularly I also, the exclusion part. Yes, but I do wish that they had gone deeper into what constitutes um, exclusion and discrimination. Was that the other uh, word? Uh, mistreatment, mistreatment, yeah. and exclusion. I wish that they had gone into depth of what that means because that I feel like is where is the actual contention. Yeah. Like what you're considering, what is in reality exclusion and mistreatment is being denied as mistreatment and exclusion by the lighter skinned members of this cast. Well, that's my thing. It's like the exclusion. Some of, because credit to Karen, who is also lighter skinned. She was on point and fully aware of, the issue. Yeah. Well, the key on the exclusion thing is like if Giselle and Robin had their way, Wendy would after the second half of the season probably wouldn't be at a lot of events. Yeah. Like she basically was excluded during the rest of that Miami trip over a fight that she did not start and that she was the victim of at the end of the day. Right. And they did that to Monique on season five. But I, I mean, yes, Monique in many ways assaulted Candace. And the idea that Wendy faced pretty much that same treatment, almost uh, close to that same treatment. Having been the victim of assault. Is insane to me. Um, but Candace talks about sort of like, sort of what she has dealt with in the sense that like, I get told that I'm aggressive. I get told that I'm too emotional, that I, you know, am, am too in your face and, you know, uh, antagonistic. But someone like Robin, who as we mentioned before, gotten Monique's face to the point in which Monique had that umbrella uh, in between them, who had put her finger in Ashley's face in her own restaurant that her and Giselle ambushed Ashley at. Like, and there's not, and Robin tries to make the point, be like, okay, but like, I've been called aggressive a lot this reunion. And it's like, yes, now at this reunion, once we're talking about this, but there was never like what happened with Candace last season where a full segment at the reunion last season was devoted to Candace being aggressive. And I think that when that narrative is set, like it's hard to overcome that in many ways. And I mean, they did, uh, if I remember correctly, because I've slept not well since then, uh, I believe during that segment, there was also call out of the fact that it was dangerous to call a black woman aggressive. Yeah. And to use that word, it, feeds into racist tropes and um really re uh reinforces the stereotypes that uh black members especially in this country but black members of the black race face every day yeah and giselle i giselle was like trying to like undercut it wasn't listening to candace i think at the end of the day she was just being like what is you being emotional and crying have to do with anything essentially and it was just, like, being so intentionally obtuse. And, like, Giselle is a descendant of civil rights leaders. Right. Like, and she's raising three darker-skinned yes. daughters. Like, at least they're darker-skinned than her. And so they are going to inherently have less privilege than she does in this world. And Karen, Karen, I think, reroutes it in a great way of talking about, like, he, she says to personalize it. And she talks about the fact that she owns the farm that, you know, her family the uh, who her lineage basically worked on as slaves, and so she talks about how even it was instilled in in their community from such an 
early time in in that in that time of how the darker skinned black people would work in the field and the lighter skinned ones would be in the house and she talked about how that perpetuates inside of you as an african american person throughout generations you then it's not it's not just the racism of the white man it's that then you as black people then start to view lighter skin tones as more favorable and more right. like you know and to look at it as that and just tries to make you know make the make the point of like if the fact that Candace is saying she feels this way, listen to her. I think right. Karen making that point, I think was really important. Um, I think it was largely a good conversation. There were some people, I mean, everyone's going to, you know, I saw some people saying they go, didn't go long enough. It didn't devote enough time to it. I agree. It, you know, I think it should be a start. I think, I think it was either Wendy or Candace. Who said, this should be a start to a larger conversation. Correct. And I, you know, and I, I'm at least glad they had it at some, you know. Because the, the lines have been drawn, and I've mentioned before on this podcast how it is pretty obvious the, the lines that are drawn on this cast and that those lines are colorist. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really frustrating um, to see the proximity to whiteness be weaponized mm. against other black people. Like black folks have enough issues in this world without turning against each other. Yeah, and like it's really like it's these terrible. these lighter skinned ladies really have a lot of work to do. Yeah, and yeah. Um. So we go then to Jacqueline. Now comes out on stage, uh, and we get into the Mia and Jacqueline discussion. Um. Again, Mia looks dumb. Like I, I honestly am fully on Team Jacqueline's side now, and honestly wouldn't mind seeing Jacqueline on a full time position. Yeah, controversial. I mean, at least to test out, maybe test test her and then see at the end of it. But like, you know, Mia now trying to play like you know, oh, I don't, you know, it's sad how this got, etc. And all the, you know, you know, I I wish we didn't this didn't play out on TV, etc. And Jacqueline kind of calls her on her bullshit and is like. You know, my my mom hasn't even watched this season. You know, I don't want her to watch it. But my family that has is incredibly upset with Mia. She completely threw me under the bus and tried to j basically run me over to get to a higher plane. Um, she makes the point about how, you know, the whole argument of, like, Mia's nanny, and who's Jacqueline's sister, and about, like, Jacqueline's kids being at Mia's house. And Jacqueline making the point of, like, I gave my sister to you to nanny your kids. It wasn't like a, like, and so now you're calling me, when I gave this to you, I'm it, as if I'm taking my sister from you. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then she reveals this group text message, which I'm assuming was the, uh, when she said a group text, I'm assuming with the other cast members. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm assuming that's the only re way she got it. Like, dragging me as saying that she needs to be worried about the fact that she's on food stamps and like, that her house is in foreclosure and Mia and Jacqueline just being like for you to say that when you don't have a fucking business anymore, what? like who are you to fucking talk? Like, and then we get the big like moment of just like, and I've got all the receipts for it. And Mia's like, I got receipts and they both pull out boxes and are just like, and then whipping out receipts. And then we get the big, like to be continued for uh, part three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on Jacqueline's side on this, at least for now. I want to see, I mean, 
can she? I I want to see if she can deliver in the third part. Yeah, I I want to see if the receipts actually are of anything. But as of now, like I'm rooting for her in this regard because also Mia like, and Mia like is apologizing to Jacqueline on Twitter as of today, and it's like. You just seem too so little, stupid. too late. Like you seem so weak and stupid right now for like all the, like everything has backfired in that regard. So, um, but overall, really good episode of the reunion. Like you mentioned, part three is next week, and uh, we'll see the uh, uh, yet to be aired parts of the Robin interview. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fully in ready for a cash shakeup. Yep. I, I'm I, I it's crazy for me to say, but like I, I think it's needed. Like if they were gonna keep any of the four, um Robin, Giselle, Ashley, or Mia, I'd I would say keep, keep Ashley. Yeah. I, I Ashley at least tries to bring something of her actual true life to the show. Right. And I think that's, you know, to be commended at the end of the day. Um but we're gonna take a quick commercial break and when we come back, we're gonna get into more real housewives. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. We are going to get into the newest episode, episode four of uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes, another good episode of Jersey. This one, I mean, the drama's getting with the whole Teresa and Joe stuff. Is is it's getting a lot? It's getting it's, to be a lot. It, we're back into that heavy mode. I really thought we were gonna get a lighter season, but nope. But I'm th- I'm I'm looking at this. I I'm trying to look at this from a very nuanced perspective, and I think that there's a lot of there's a lot more nuance that I would have expected going into the season. In terms of the, what's happening, I'll agree with you there. And and so it well, let's get into it. So they're, I, I found it. In, so they're coming back from the guys' night, and the women, all the wives are like vlogging their husbands, essentially like coming back from this like drunken night with like you know, like it was like I they couldn't get cameras. It, it seemed like it was clearly like they instructed all the the wives to like film their drunk husbands. Well, but you don't want a full crew because the crew has to get in there and set up and it's literally the middle of the night. Yeah. So you don't want to have a crew in there when you've got families trying to go to sleep and not to mention the fact that crew then has to break down and it's not just like a cameraman, it's a cameraman and a producer and you've got like multiple cameramen and you've got lighting people and you've got sound people. No, film it on your phone. (laughs) Send it in. So uh, we get uh, to, so Teresa and Louis are at their pool sort of like doing like housework as they're getting ready for Teresa's housewarming party. And then birthday party, isn't it? Uh, I th- she said housewarming, but I like I feel like they've had the house for a while. She uh, Oh, it might yeah. She also was calling it their love bubble party, which like I don't, you know, whatever, it's something. Yeah, it's a party. <laughs> it's an excuse to get together on camera. Um and then we it, we're cutting between that and then Melissa and Joe at their new house that they're constructing. 
Um, and they're sort of talking about everything that happened at the guys' night and how uh, – and Joe brings up that Louie brought up the podcast comment. And we'll get into it later, but I feel like Melissa – I feel like there's a – there's certain things about – to come to Teresa's defense slightly, there's sort of – there's a dismissiveness to, in some of the way that Melissa and Joe talk about things. And I think part of it is the weatheredness of the relationship. Yeah. I'm sure that plays a role. But, like, Melissa being like, oh, well, to take a comment, like, we put food on your kid's table and to, like, spin it around or whatever, which we'll get to later. Um, and then Joe essentially being like, I don't want to... I Joe says at one point in his confessional, I don't want to have a conversation with Teresa at this point because he, she's just going to be like, well, I just feel like you weren't there for Louie. And I, it's like, uh, it's like... Okay, but, like, you both should have an environment in which you can... If you want an actual relationship, you both should be able to tell things, you, each other things that you're upset about in a conducive way, in a, in a healthy way. You know, even if you don't believe it at the end of the day, like, to acknowledge her feelings, yeah. I think... And, and there's been a... I, I only say this because there's been a couple times this season where Teresa has, at the very least acknowledge their feelings of, of being upset. Yeah, 100%. And I just think if you're not going to reciprocate at that at the end of the day, like that, I'm fully on the camp of like, they shouldn't be a, a, in a personal relationship in that regard because then like your expectations are just like. I think I, I'm realizing like literally in this moment that probably the, what is making this so difficult to fix is that both of them, and by both of them, I really mean all, I'll say all three, because Louie hasn't really participated. Um, all three of them really exaggerate events. Uh, yeah. All of them speak in hyperbole, um, but then get mad when the other one speaks in hyperbole. Yeah. And so you, it's like, Oh, well, we put food on your table. Well, no, you didn't. You didn't put food on our table. Like, you participated in one episode of a special, like, and Which, that, by the that's, way, all, that's you all you did. And then you didn't show up the rest of the time. Okay, so she exaggerated saying that they put food on the table. But then, like, Teresa exaggerates... Like this other thing, and then like Joe will exaggerate something else, and then like neither of you are talking real. Like n neither of you are like really getting to the bottom of things. And I think again, we said it last time. Like that's what therapy is for. You need a therapist to actually say like, and we'll talk about it later with Miami. Like you need a therapist to actually say like, don't like don't make it about this. Talk. Tell me specifically about this. Tell me about how this made you feel. Right. And it's like, that's the core of it. Um, because, and the reason that that matters is because it humanizes the other person. When you have somebody that actually is committed to fixing things, unlike Giselle Bryant, yeah. um, when someone talks about how they feel in a situation, it makes you realize the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And so it, it forces empathy. You know, at least with people who have the capacity for empathy. Cough, cough, Giselle Bryant. Um, <laughs> so it, I think in that situation, they would hopefully be able to get to a place 
where they can move forward, but I don't think that everyone would be on board with that. Yeah. And everyone has to come to the table on the same page. So Louis and Louis and Teresa agreed to call Joe to invite Joe and Melissa to the housewarming party. It's so funny because Louis is literally like writing phrases on this and notepad. like circling it's... and pointing and being like, say that. But like, but like, that's good... what needs to be done sometimes. Like, yeah, like good for him. Like he, you can see how dedicated he is to fixing this. He really is. Yeah. Um, we go later in the episode and we see uh, Jennifer and Bill go out to dinner um, to, for sort of a date night. Um, we get into, I guess, sort of their like still like because I th- things aren't still good perfectly in terms of everything last season with the Bill cheating rumor coming out. Right. Or not rumor he the, he cheated you know came coming out. Um, I think I'm I. I don't know why. I feel like I'm a, I worry I'm a Jennifer Aiden apologist, but I, I kind of sort of understood some of what she was saying in terms of this. They were discussing also the fact that like she had apparently got her son a party bus for his prom. And like Bill was like complaining about the price and that you spoil the kids and all that stuff. And she kind of got, she kind of clapped back at him being like, you just purchased a new Ferrari that like out of nowhere that like you didn't tell any of us about. Yeah. Like, okay, dude, I mean, really? So here's my thought process. Um, both of, like, usually when you have extravagant spending like that, it's mm. usually a trauma response, right? Sure. It's someone who has never, or at least previously, was not able to do as well for themselves. Uh, Bill is expressing that in, you know, buying things for himself. Jennifer is expressing that in making sure that she provides everything that she possibly can for her kids that she didn't get to have growing up. And so it's like, just because your trauma response is valid, that doesn't mean it's not toxic. Yeah. Like, like you have a valid reason and a valid, um, a valid, and I don't want to say the feeling is the feeling is real. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't, that you don't need to work on that and where that's coming from. And there are trauma responses you develop that are healthy in the moment because they keep you safe. Yeah. But then you need to get rid of them because they do cause toxicity later. And I think that's what we're looking at here. And, and so then they also get into sort of like the fight at Margaret's house with Dolores and like how Bill, do, th- this came up a little bit last season about how Bill doesn't stand up for her in public, in in her mind. And I kind of agree to a certain extent. And we've talked before about this whole like thing of like what should be done and like how in public you should be with your partner and you should right. stand up for your partner. You can chastise them or critique them or give advice to them or try to, you know, reason with them in private in your own home. But in public, you need to be a certain extent of support system. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be that you are presenting a front of being ride or die. Mm-hmm. It, like, you can, you can have your opinion and disagree in public, but it needs to show up in a form of not necessarily that you are actively disagreeing with someone, but you are not protect like, not defending their position you can still defend them as a person without defending their position when i thought i thought it was interesting because uh you know he says like oh i was just trying like at the end of the day i was just trying to defuse the situation and she asked a really good question which i thought was like she she asked who are you trying to defuse the situation for and he tries to claim her but i actually don't think that's true 
I think he was doing it for the larger group. I think he was doing it for the other husbands. He got critiqued last season. Like, Evan basically, like, you know, to basically almost all asked him to, like, say that your wife, like, was terrible, per- being a terrible person. And he's like, I'm not going to fucking say that. Which, I mean, he shouldn't. But he should have been able to, in that moment, go, look, I don't agree with what she said, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to call her a terrible person. That doesn't mean that I'm ever going to not be by her side. That is my wife, and you're not going to ask me to stand against her. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. And, but the, my problem is, is that she was having a problem with Bill when it's just the two of them, Bill challenging her at all. Do that is, yeah, because yeah. they, I mean, it was literally in a moment where it was just the two of them. She was mad that he was like arguing the other side of a, of a situation. And I won't say playing devil's advocate because he wasn't doing it just out of a need to exercise being obtuse, but he literally was trying to make her see another point of, point of it. Mm-hmm. And um, she feels like he should be on her side in private as well. And it's like, no, like that's no, not what that is. Like when you were in a partnership, you were supposed to grow each other. And I, I hate to use a phrase from the Bible, but they got this one right. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Like, you don't strengthen the other member of your partnership by never challenging them. Yeah, I agree. Um, we go to lunch with Rachel and uh, the friend of Jen Fessler. I, I've i been loving all the new girls, and, and oh, inc- yeah. including Jen Fessler. Like, I love that like they're ordering off the menu at this lunch and Jen wants to, wants a margarita pizza and Rachel's like, do you want to split that? And Jen's like, no, no, I, no. Don't, I don't split food. <laughs> like, no, I can eat. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm not. Yeah. Um, so they sort of like hit it off and sort of um, get to talking. Um, and uh, Rachel talks about how, so apparently at the mozzarella party, Jennifer, like when they were around the bar or whatever talking, like, asked Rachel, like, do you have a nose, uh, is it a, do you have a nose job essentially? And I actually don't think Jennifer meant it negatively. Like, I think she was just like, I mean, it's clear Rachel has a nose job. Like, and, and she herself, like, yeah, I got a nose job. You know, I don't, and so apparently Jennifer called Rachel over the phone and like, was like apologizing for it and being like, yeah, I didn't mean, you know, that way. But in the process was shit talking Dolores, like, mm-hmm. and Jen, and Rachel was like, I feel like this is like her trying to like pit me against her or right. something. And I don't think she realizes I'm close with Dolores and all that. And then Jennifer there, Jen Fessler ends up revealing that she, Jen essentially did the same thing, but with Margaret, Jeez. like that she called her Jen Fessler and was like asking about like therapy and like marriage uh-huh. therapy, but then immediately ta- went to trashing Margaret and like Margaret literally is bringing Jen onto the show. So like, that's dumb. Um, and like it's, <laughs> oh god! And so, it, but this will transpire also um, later on into everything that's happening. Um, we also find out that uh, so Rachel apparently knows Frank's girlfriend Brittany um, because I guess they did bodybuilding together. Like, like which like th- I'm assuming she may have known Teresa then because remember that season when Teresa was doing the bodybuilding right, right, and right. Frank was training her. So it's like that like. It, Every there's so many intercrossing lines within this sort of group. It's kind of crazy. Um, we then finally go to Teresa's uh, housewarming party, and they're getting everything set up. They have a uh, 
a dancer in the pool in one in a giant like bubble. Which, I hate like, when they do that. They always think it's going to be a great big impact, and it's always underwhelming. But it's all she. I love that she keeps saying like, "Look, I got a dancer in the pool." It's like she can't dance though. Like she's like she can flop around a little bit, but that's about it. Like yeah. I didn't. Um, I will. I I think I said it before when the season started. Like I love her house. I think her house is gorgeous. Oh yeah. And and particularly like the backyard and the giant poolscape and all that stuff. Like it's it's a really beautiful house. Um, but then we see Melissa getting ready to go. She's in makeup, and but she gets a FaceTime from Joe, and Joe basically says that he doesn't want to go. Which I get what he's saying because he was saying, "Hey, we're like, I know we said that we were going to try to fix things, but I don't. I'm not comfortable yet." I I can understand that to a certain extent. I in his confessional, but that's I've talked about like it feels like Teresa's in a no win situation. Like he in his confessional when he's saying this is saying like I feel like she's playing a game all the time, and it's like okay, but if that's the then she can't win. Then like then yeah. uh, like if if doing if offering gestures and olive branches on camera is her trying to save face if her doing it off camera is her trying to save face then you don't want a relationship with her yeah well i mean that you can want there to be a relationship and still not trust that the other person is being honest and i think it's just going to take more time of Teresa continuing to reach out and um continuing to prove that she is changed yeah and then joe needs to also prove that he has matured some which i don't know that we have necessarily seen evidence of yet which by the way i was saying at the time we kind of disagreed but i was like why are you and and he was just like but you should go melissa and 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 have a good time and and all that it's like i wouldn't send melissa like like that's just gonna make her like when you know that when in at least in joe's mind that Teresa goes after Melissa a lot. When you make such a point to reject an invitation and then send Melissa, it's like, what are you doing? To me, it, to me, it's like, hey, this is my fight. This is our thing, and I don't want you to be in the middle of this. I hope so, because I agree with that. And, like, Melissa's still on this show. Like, mm. I don't have to be here. I'm not contracted. Yeah. Um, like, you go... And have a good time. I want there to be some repair there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to feel so much like you're always just siding with me and cutting her off in in defense of me or in siding with me. It needs to be that you are going to pursue a relationship with these women and with Teresa individually separate from us yeah yeah so now do i think that he was necessarily thinking all of that like i was just saying i don't think joe thinks like that i don't know but i think maybe that there could have been an inkling of that in the back of his head you know like that That, that's 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 the thought that he could maybe vocalize in front of a therapist he can't vocalize right right i think that he having that thought but doesn't know how to think that thought. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we're at the party. Uh, everyone's sort of interacting, getting around. Uh, Rachel brings up to the girls that uh, she had been talking with Frank 
and that he basically told her that he misses Dolores and that he misses the sort of old dynamic. And I'm with Dolores on this where he, Dolores is kind of like too bad. Like I, and I agree with her to a certain extent. Like it doesn't have to be that cruel to Frank. Like I, I don't think she would say that to Frank like that, but I think like I deserve to move on. I deserve to have a relationship and a husband and a, you know, that dynamic. And I, I should, I don't have to be forced to continue that. When yes, but I don't, I don't think it is right to characterize it as forcing. Like they have been family, whether they have been married and or not. And there will always be family. I'm not saying that. Right. He, like, but, but it's changing the dynamic without consulting the other people involved. Yeah. Well, I think cause she's talking about in the sense of like, Oh, Polly's coming to events with you, but not Frank. And it's like, yeah, like that's like that's but what, also Frank but again, like it's it harkens back to the question of well, how else is Frank connected to this group other than this Britney girl? Well, but this Britney girl's not even involved. Yeah. She's not a friend of. Well, she's I, like, not she's a friend of a friend of a friend. She's not an official like, friend of, but she's technically a friend of Right, but but my point is how else does Frankie connect to this group. Like at that point, if Dolores is not involving Frankie, he no longer has a connection to his entire group of friends. Yeah. But I, and that's kind of like stripping the reality, like curtain. There's that whole, like that element too. And it's like, I just feel like I appreciated her being like, I feel like I spent like 20 years, 20 plus years being the mom, just like putting everyone's, my kids and Frank and every, and the family and the whole thing first. And I need to take some time to put myself first. And I just wish, and, and maybe there was, maybe it was done off camera, but I wish that there had been a sit down conversation with Frank where she was like, look, I, there's going to be different dynamics. I think that well, things have to change because not every man that I want to date is going to be comfortable with you being as big of a part of my life as you are right now. And so while I do love you, while you will always be a big part of my life, you need to take a step back. Yeah, and I think I have a feeling we're going to get that later in the season. But doing it after the fact, all after already having caused the damage, I I, I think that that's the wrong order I of don't, events. I don't think the damage is fully caught. I think it's it's, it's still a it's, I think it's still a loose situation at this point. Yes, but I do feel like that there is. I I feel like while there may not be lasting damage already caused, there's already been some hurt. Sure. And you, you can see how Frank feels left out and he feels dejected. And I feel like if there was a conversation beforehand about how things were going to change and need to change. And if those boundaries had been put in place when they broke up, this would not be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I get but it. they remained a family after they got broke up. They remained pretty much a couple after they broke up. Just remove the romance and the the sex, like like they still had a day to day life together. So you can't just keep going on like this and then expect Frank to be okay when things are drastically going to change out of nowhere. Yeah, um, we get an interaction between Melissa and the girls, which was awkward as hell. 
and yeah. I and I I I have been those girls before. Like I've been in those family like family reunion like group dynamics where it's just like like I'm I'm doing small talk to get along. It just doesn't feel connected in any ways, which I think lends to so many questions. Well, and there was so many pointed comments about how the how Teresa's girls miss Melissa's kids and Yeah, and and Gia talks about that in her confessional. And um it just I, I've had that situation before. Like, my family has not always, like, my Insular family has not always had great connection with my extended family. Yeah. And we've been cut off from from people before. And it just, it gets really awkward when you were friends as kids and now your parents are fighting and now you can't see each other because nobody has their own transportation. What I will yeah, well and luckily they're a little I mean they're they're older, older now, now, but um and I think Teresa said in an interview that the kids are communicating with each other. Like yes. that they that they still have a relationship in that regard, which is good. I think, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was But very, it's got to be awkward, right? When you sure. know that you've got this grudge against your friend's mom. But you're supposed to act like everything's okay when you're around them. I mean, if you can find the things that are common outside of the family and like those things, but like I guess. So then we get to this point where uh, Louis and Teresa basically do a thank you to everyone for coming to the housewarming party. They get on top of the bar thing or whatever, um, and they give a thank you to the housewarming party and, and like we appreciate you all for coming out. And Teresa says like. Everyone, all of you guys here, you are, you guys are our chosen family. And then, I'm sorry, we get like the shady music and et cetera. I didn't think it was a shady comment. And, and I think that, and Melissa groans and Margaret is, thinks it's, you know, tries to like talk to Melissa about it, that it was a shady comment. I don't think so for a couple reasons. One, Joe was invited at the end of the day. Right. Two, Melissa was there. You know, it's, we talked about like some of the feelings of exclusion that Melissa particularly feels. I get like not including in the wedding party. I get to a certain extent and including the other sisters in law that you know for less time. I get that. I get the, I get to extent the table thing at the wedding party, uh, whether it was a mistake or not. I get that this, you were included. You're in the group at the party. And I think saying that someone has a chosen family is a natural thing for someone to say. Well, and uh, I don't remember. Oh, Jennifer on Watch What Happens Live had said that she had heard someone else say that in a speech and really liked it. And so she just grabbed it and used it. And so it was completely innocent. And And um, I think also like when Teresa's lost both of her parents, and the only really surviving members of that family dynamic are her and Joe in terms of direct blood. Right. You are going to have to find a chosen family to a certain regard. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it was a shady comment. I don't think that it was negative. And I, and Margaret in her confessional makes the comment of like, you know, she shouldn't be saying stuff like that. You need to choose your words more carefully. And I would make the extended argument devil's advocate that if I agree that maybe you need to choose words carefully, but then that should also extend to Melissa of going on a podcast and saying, making the comment about putting food on those kids' tables. Well, yeah, and this is what this is what I mean by um, them like exaggerating and then being mad that the other person is exaggerating. And even then, I think that that has gone on so far back and forth, back and forth, back and forth 
that they read into the comment about chosen family as if it were meant to be a dig when it might not have been like I mean there's no proof either way of her mind when she said that but Teresa denies that it was a meant to be a dig and it wasn't obviously one so yeah. I mean it's up to interpretation and there are there are parts but, that Melissa and and uh, not in front of Melissa but where she goes around to like the sisters-in-law on Louis's side and basically says like I have sisters now which she has said in the past which I do think is a shady comment and I think it's a terrible thing to say yeah that's not even shady that's downright rude yeah but like, but that's not the same as this and I think that I think but I think within the context of you've been saying these things, it can feel a it can way. feel like this is just more in the same vein. Yeah, you know, like even though that content or and that it, comment isolated is not necessarily shady, when you add it in, it's a pattern, right? And Bill, like uh, during it, yells out, "We miss you, Joe." But it's like Joe had Joe had the invitation. Joe had right. the ability to come there. Like, but I felt like that was less shady to I, yeah, Teresa about him not being included, and more shady to incl- Joe for not coming. For not coming. Yeah. Um, so we get in. Um, Melissa starts crying and goes in the bathroom, but then she eventually comes out and sort of starts bingling with everyone and uh, starts talking with Jackie. And she mentions to Jackie how she told Danielle about the whole her making saying that her fashion was terrible and that her shorts looked like they came out of the hamper and jackie's like yeah her fashion sense is terrible it's like she re-ruined those shorts like two times and the whole time danielle can hear her because they literally panned the camera and the other group of ladies is standing literally four feet away like just looking at them like what and are I, we doing and i i i gotta say i like danielle for this moment because she literally breaks from the group she's talking to and it's just like hey so if you wanted to talk to me real quick because clearly my name's in your mouth like <laughs> it was so good it was it was such a um it was such like a sitcom kind of moment like what yeah it was so good and then she starts like giving it to jackie and like jackie's like can you get your hands out of my face and danielle being like look this is how i talk and does like this like jazz hand like routine like Like, these are spirit fingers we said it before like something's off with jackie this season and i think it's the i think it's a little jealousy or a little like something about not being full-time but you know and so then Jennifer and Jackie get together at one point and they, they are, they're about to take a shot together. And Margaret literally stops them and is like, don't take a shot with her, Jackie. <laughs> like she's pissing me off. Cause she talked to Jen Fessler about me. And then they get into this argument um, about like what the intention was and all that stuff of the phone calls. And that, you know, Rachel then comes up and brings up that she was talking shit about Dolores and they get into it. Teresa, I, again, the fact that Teresa's the fucking peacemaker this season in these fights, like trying to like get Rachel and Jennifer on the same page. She so, got a lot out of her two months in therapy. I I'm mean, just like. Seriously. But this, I fell out fucking laughing. Because so, Jennifer's trying to explain her what she happened. She's like, so basically I made that comment about, you know, I asked you about your nose job at uh, the mozzarella party. I feel really bad about doing that. People have told me before about my terrible nose job. I felt bad about talking about your terrible nose job. And everyone <laughs> was, like, just, was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was, I died laughing. It was so fucking funny. And then Rachel and Jackie, or Rachel and Jennifer start yelling at each other. Rachel storms off. Jennifer yells, don't hit the, let the door hit your ass on the way out. And she just yells, there's no door, asshole. 
This is a great cast. Like, it, yeah, it's so good. Whatever, I, I, I'm really happy because whatever happens with the Teresa and Melissa situation, whether one stays or what happens, like, the, with the newbies and with every, this is a good cast still, even divorced of that. Like, I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Um, but let's move on over to Real Housewives of Miami and the finale. We finally got to the fun finale of Real Housewives of Miami. Which is weird because this is a shorter season than most other shows. Yeah. So, like, it's just drug on I'm for so long. Well, I'm sure they're ordering more episodes. Like, I, 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 th I think Miami has been a gold standard in a lot of people's minds of, like, you know, there's been moments, but I think for the most part, this is a good ensemble cast. This is, like, you know, this is what Housewives should be in many yeah. ways. And, and I mean, we talked about making sure to have a dynamic cast uh, on episode eight when we were talking about our fan cast for Housewives Traders. Yep. Uh, make sure to go listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but but I really do think that this cast is an exemplary ex um, example of having a good dy like dynamic diversity of, of casting because you've got you know, uh, the abilities for highs and lows as far as like, um, mood. Right. Yeah. But it never gets too heavy. It never gets weighed down and like toxic, like all these, I, so many of the other shows have. Yeah. I think they're, I mean, we'll get to it later, but like I, I, they have to be very careful because they might fall into a bad trap on one aspect, but I think for the most part, they've got the formula down. And, yeah. and they've nailed that. So we start with sort of the tail end of what we saw the cliffhanger about with Lisa and Lenny's mom at mm -hmm. that uh, painting uh, place that her kids went to. And like, yeah, one, we talked about how this seemed weird in terms of Lenny's mom's, what she was saying. And like, you know, Lisa basically, I, I feel like that conversation with Leah Black, like put some confidence in Lisa and she really put her foot down and was like, and Lisa liked our discussion about it last week. Yes, thank like, you, thank you, Lisa, for uh, liking our video. Oh, and credit also to uh, Candace Stiller Bassett and Chris yes. for also liking our discussion last week. Um, uh, be sure to follow us on all our social media where we have clips uh, from the podcast. Um, but she also brings up the fact that uh, Lisa brings up the fact that she had text message, like she literally had his phone records at one point to like see him communicating with women. And how the the mistress that he's essentially with now, like, they were very loving. She seemingly thought they were only together for a shorter period of time. But the based off of the comments and how, like, d doting they were, she thinks that it was for much longer. Oh, yeah. And I and that does make a lot of sense, I think. Um, and well, especially if she's the same one that he was talking about at this party. Yeah. About how, you know, if he sleeps with Lisa, then he's cheating on the one he really cares about. Mm -hmm. it, that's not something you say in a new fling. And we already know that he's had an emotional affair with somebody. Right. From last season. So, um, you, you also said, you, you were noting how Lenny's mom said the word depressing. It was, it was, it almost like, to me, sounded like the really great um read and not great um swedish impression that trixie mattel does yeah. on uh, <laughs> it, it 
depressing i think is how she said it and it was just i was cackling i know it, it, it maybe it makes me a bad person the accent work on this show is sometimes really hilarious and yeah. i feel bad sometimes about it but it's really funny it's it's just objectively good like it's not like i'm not gonna like disparage someone for having an accent like the fact that someone is speaking multiple languages makes them better than at oh, me yeah. or than me at languages like uh, 100% like credit to them for knowing the multiple languages. Like I can't do that. I'm not, but like sometimes you just have things that tickle your ear and, and think, it's just, I think it's cause these also everyone in the show is like a really big personality. So it makes the accent that much more like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Gertie and Larsa go out to lunch and Gertie's discussing the, uh, melting pot party that she's putting together um, for uh, to get everyone back on the same page. And Larsa, they're talking about like, oh God, the bah- the um, Bahamas trip. And Larsa literally goes, I thought it was a good trip though. Cut to the montage of all the fighting and all the like. I mean, but honestly, I mean, it it's a- not that bad when it comes to terms of housewives trips. Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the group is fractured because of the whole Alexia and, and Adriana thing. Larsa says that Alexia and Marisol probably aren't ready. And then she says that, like, Adriana says things that make her question her as a person. And it's like, Larsa, you are no one to talk. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. And, and alleged from rumors of the reunion, I mean, it's going to, I mean, Larsa has a lot of hypocrisy in that regard, but we'll get to that when that comes. Um, speaking of Adriana, we see her going to a, a studio uh, to meet with Emilio Estefan, of all people. Yeah, that was, and, like, they they talk, they, like, walk down the hallway that has, like, all of his, like, gold and platinum records mm-hmm. that he's recorded, and um, it's just astounding that there's this laundry list of, like, accomplished, amazing um, musicians, and then Adriana. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, and, like... It, like, not to disparage her, the Miami theme is fire okay yeah. but like she's not at the same you were talking level. about how like it feels odd that she's wanting to go this route of pop and and particularly now she's doing this to like because she's talked last episode about how like her alimony is about to run out in a year and that's one of the reasons why she's a little anxiety ridden and so she wants to get her music career like really going yeah well i mean for me it's usually when you've got a an artist who is self-starting like she is not somebody who has been found by some producer and plucked out of obscurity to become this huge pop star yeah like usually with that variety of pop star you have maybe someone who's not super savvy and someone who maybe is not um Who's a ditz? Usually, that's when those types of people will get into the music business. But it's just odd that someone who has that sort of personality um, is self-starting into the... And at this point in her life, too, it's just this... It feels like an odd choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, good for her for doing it and making it happen and, like, all of that. I just would never have pegged her for someone who would have the um, drive to, on her own, pursue a music business. Her motivations are always kind of weird because she's very, like, young and... F- I mean, she's always on the Times of Miami, like, very young and flirty, but she had, like, 
an art background. Like she was doing like art exhibits in like the first three seasons, and mm-hmm. like that that was her like profession. Which like I feel like that's I that's my other thing of like why go into music when like you have this. Like, I mean, art music adjacent, right? Sure. But still, um, we go to uh, Lisa's house and she's playing with the kids as Alexia and Marisol come over. <laughs> Marisol, like, it's so funny. Like, they're screaming in the background, and Marisol's walking in, and she literally stops and then, like, starts backing up. Like, she's like, I don't want to be involved in this. Marisol's <laughs> just here to drink. Like, <laughs> that's, like that's really all she's here to do. Like, that's all she's on the show to do. Like, to be honest, literally, Lisa's daughter has like cocktails on her like little dress or whatever. And like, Marisol. Like, is there a second on this show where Marisol's not talking about drinking? Like, she is such a like, functioning alcoholic. Like, maybe let's not promote um, alcoholism on children's that clothing. That was weird to me. Like, yeah. But her and, and, and Alexia come over, and they're drinking Lenny's wine, which I thought was so funny. I mean, Lisa's like, work. fuck it. I don't But care. also, like, I love that they've got, like, this wine... Not really a wine cellar, but like a wine room that is very reminiscent of Heather Debro with yeah. the, like the glass wall and the displays and very. I mean, it's not nearly as classy as Heather Debro's, but had, like still, it's they had like a two gallon bottle in there. Or something. That like, bottle looked like it was like a mechanical bull size, like somebody was going to climb on top of it and ride it somewhere. Yeah, not like that, you dirty. Ooh. Well, you know what you mean. We know, but it's it, yeah. So Lisa is basically talking about how she talked to Adriana and she feels really sorry about everything about what happened in the Bahamas and she wants to repair things with Alexia, etc. Mm-hmm. And Alexia and Marisol are hesitant. You know, I we'll get to it later at the dinner, but like I, you know, I think the 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 while I understand it's a probably a good friendship in certain ways with Alexia and Marisol, I think there's a certain way in which it's very toxic in other ways. Yeah. Um. And and we'll get to that later. Um, we cut to Julia and Martina going out to dinner for like a little dinner date, um, and uh, kind of flirting. Martina was horny at this dinner, <laughs> like she was like <laughs> complimenting her makeup, saying it was kissable, and like like it was. It's I don't know why it's so weird seeing Martina never Tolova like. But honestly, to me, it was refreshing because yeah. there's been so much heaviness with Julia's storyline, mm-hmm. and especially now knowing about Martina's like cancer yeah. diagnoses, two of them, not just one, and um, like it's it's nice to see this bit of levity and flirtatiousness between the two of them when they've just been struggling for so long. Yeah, and and I liked what Julia was saying about. I mean, she struggled with her empty nesting and all that stuff, but she, I, I think she was good to recognize of like you know I was kind of making Martina feel unwanted and like yeah that I would rather be with the on my farm than like with her and like I think. It seems much more healthier in terms of that dynamic, and like they're talking about obviously adopting. Um, obviously, I think with the cancer stuff, it probably halted a lot of things. But um, you know, and you know, I I I think they're just, we talked about it before. I think they're just a really good example of having a. I mean, being the first lesbian couple on Housewives, like they're they're such a good example of a good, healthy relationship and like dynamic. Yeah, in a really fun way. Then we go to Nicole's house, and so now. Nicole has her therapist over, who we saw previously, um, and she invited her dad over. And they're they're not doing a full therapy session, but it's like a very light sort of like sort mm-hmm. of therapy. 
I mean, light, but they made some breakthroughs. They did. I, you know, I think Nicole, I get Nicole's sort of place and where she's at. Of She says something about like, you know, she's not having a lot of expectations going into this because she's sort of learning that like when you build up really high expectations, you can get disappointed. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what she needs to do in certain regards. I mean, to st- I mean, her dad though, to start off is very like, and, and Nicole breaks down about how this is also sort of like a real Cuban thing of like, you know, what's been instilled in him as a man and like what right. he's been told that he's allowed to do as a man and, you know, you know, anyone else be damned of my actions. Yeah. Like, you know, he's at one point says he's pretty much close to perfection and it's like, and it's like, uh, okay. Even the, I love that the therapist, like in the previous episodes, we were critiquing her of kind of being like a little too on the verge of shaming Nicole. And I feel like with the therapist hearing him say that, you could tell in her eyes, she's like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is like. Yeah. At the, I mean, we'll get there. But at the end of the day, I still think that she was approaching this as Nicole see, needed to see this from a different direction, which to me again, is still putting the onus on Nicole to fix this when it sure. should be on her dad. Well, and she has this moment where it's like, have you, you know, have you ever told Nicole you're sorry? And he's like, yeah, I do. I say that all the time. I say, you know, I'm so proud of you, et cetera. And she's like, but that's not saying I'm sorry. Can you say that to her now? And he's like, yeah, I'll say it to her, but I don't want to say it to her now. And it's like, I just found that, I think that was the, again, I think that's like, you to use a phrase like toxic masculinity i think he didn't want to be vulnerable in that moment to like well i don't think he wanted to be vulnerable on camera yeah i think um and i i really do think that um and i i i know that they they talk about um how nicole really felt um abandoned a lot of times by him because he just wouldn't spend time with her and he wouldn't be around and it seemed like her mother really raised her like it seems like he was very much like absentee yeah and he you know he goes on to say you know the reason i did that is because i tried a few times and i really fucked up and you know i got i literally got you run over by another car like in a parking lot and so I didn't feel like you were safe with me. And that it was almost better that I not be there. And Nicole kind of, like, I if it gives her not closure, but if it gives her a feeling of, like, maybe there was some, like, at least that there was some care put into me and it just wasn't complete abandonment in terms of... Right. I think that's a good first step. I think there's a... I, I, I think with that whole session like it's a first step there's a right. lot more that needs to be done there's a lot more um and i i think it also really illustrates that as parents you can try you you can make all the the assumptions and the decisions from your point of view that you can to mm. protect and take care of your child but until you stop and see things how they're going to see them, you're never going to really be able to understand how much damage your good intentions can have. Yeah, like see it, see it through all perspectives and see the cost, the possible cost of doing something like that. Even if you think that, like if you think it's going to outweigh it, that's one thing. But like, 
you know, you have to weigh both sides of it. But and, yeah, like you're, he literally made a decision that completely shaped her life differently. Yeah. And did not involve her in that decision. And I mean, yeah, sure, she was too young to make that decision, but at that point, you don't make the decision. Yeah. At that point, you just keep trying to do better. Why, instead of, why did you decide to step away instead of try to do better? Like, you had another option. You could show up Mm -hmm. and do better. Yeah. And showing up and fucking up is still better than not Not showing showing up up at all. Yeah. And because then she would have seen you try. I I think now hopefully he understands that now and hopefully he understands that's what she he she want she would Sure, but I I feel like at this point that ship has sailed between the two of them like they can try to repair things but really and truly I hope that both you and I possibly being parents in the future and any of our listeners who are considering being parents in the future or our parents now can really learn from that mistake and can maybe rectify a mistake that they've already made or choose not to make that mistake for themselves. Um, And I just, I think it's important to learn from other people's mistakes as much as we possibly can. I think, yeah, I totally agree. Um, So we go to Alexia's house and she is uh, teaching Frankie how to cook. Um, And we're sort of getting sort of a progress report on him and, um, the sort of uh, independence that he's having now that he's with the Demoya Foundation, and and I think you know Alexia like made a really good point of just like you know as a I think she said as a Cuban mother and also just sort of her background and sort of her maybe personal actual instincts like she wants to hold everything tight and make everything perfect and she she did that with Peter as well I think for most of his life yeah and like you know sometimes you have to let go of things and well let- and then also the fear of something else happening to Frankie. Yeah. You know, she's already, uh, I I think in her mind, she's already tested fate and barely came out on the positive once. Yeah. And she doesn't want to risk that happening again. I mean, it's, it's like when your child is hurt and injured, you never want to let them risk that again. Yeah. Like it, and, and, I, just, and like I know that anxiety of like you know I and I don't deal with that obviously that personal situation but just general anxiety into it it's a it's a that's the natural response is you want to just be so protective right. and so like hold to what you have um, but it seems like he's progressing really well and it seems yeah. like he's like you know I, I I you know always champion their story um, and then they cut to um, over at Peter's Peter his or Alexi's other son is at his dad's house. Right. And they're cooking and barbecuing or whatever. Um, and his Alexia's ex-husband basically mentions to Peter that, like, Alexia wants him to work at the salon and sort of help with that. And, like, he's opposed to it and doesn't want to do it. And and there's all this discussion also about, like, because, like, Peter's, like, feels like Alexia's too hard on him about, particularly with, like, his girlfriend, which doesn't really make sense to me if I'm Peter, because, like, if the... So Peter, at the end of last season, there was this big headline that Peter was charged with misdemeanor battery, essentially domestic violence, uh, with his girlfriend. Yeah, that dude needs some humility after all that. Like, yeah, well, and but the, what they're claiming. So going into the season, Alexia and Peter were both saying that, like, and, and this is according to Peter, and well, that Alexia got a call from Peter 
that his girlfriend was trying to drive drunk and that he was trying to stop her and that there was a scuffle and that she called the police call basically to like say that he was like abusing her or something. Oh. Okay. And I don't know if that's true. I mean Peter I mean like in back in the original version of the show there was you know he got in trouble for punching a homeless man. Like he has a long history of like very and I agree with Alexi and that part of it is probably sort of like what he's dealing with with when Frankie got into his accident and that's right. Probably he's gone through a lot of trauma. I'm not, you know, denying that, but also He's on. He Alexi had got accused a lot of excusing his behavior, right, and not holding him accountable. And so I don't understand. Like, yeah, she should be critical of this girl if you're back with if you're back with this girl. Like, if you know, if what we're be, to be told about what actually happened is true, like, right. And then like her her Peter's dad like is defending and being like, you know, when Alexia and uh when her parents like met me, they didn't want me with her and she like completely like said no to them and moved in with me, et cetera. So like she should know, you know, what you're going through. And it's like, okay, but you went to jail for drug dealing. Like that's not like yeah. like I feel like her parents were right, maybe. Like Yeah, like eh, you ain't got much of a leg to stand on here, bub. Yeah. And Peter says that he was prepared to like go to Puerto Rico, move to Puerto Rico, and just basically upheave everything. Um, and he wants Ale- Alexia to basically treat her differently and not be like, like, not dote on him with money and stuff, but just treat him as an adult. And I get that, but like, it's more complex than that. Like, yeah, you know, th- their whole dynamic is just, you know, it's a lot. Um, so then we go to Gertie getting ready for the melting pot party and she's doing her thing and she's running around and she's telling people where to put stuff and gertifying everything. Um, Gertie actually is a pretty good party planner. This looked like a fun party. Yeah. Like, she had the, everyone's neon sign with their name on it in the entrance and the tablescape looked cool and the like little place settings with the, the, the like, um, giant like nameplates. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like etched plexi- plexiglass, yeah. right? It was really cool looking. There was also a really sexy bartender that I pointed oh, out to you God. that they had. Um, this is just the week of all the sexy businesses on the TVs. I just, we can't, we just keep spotting them. We're married, not dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so everyone starts coming into the party and so, and getting together. And so Larza is talking with Adriana with like the group. And Larza is deciding to just dote praise on Adriana, like overly do it, basically being like, I feel bad for Adriana and I think she's living a really sad life and she just wants attention, which I think is kind of true. Like, I think her, I think she was kind of saying what you were saying a couple weeks ago about like, she just wants to feel, you know, I, I mean, she was doing it in a very kind of condescending way of like, you're the most beautiful person I've ever met and you're better than Beyonce and et cetera. But like, she, like, it was technically what you were saying. Like, yeah, but. And Nicole in her confessional brings up like, she, pr- it probably was like Adriana wanted attention. And that's why she did the whole foot thing. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I mean, that's not the right way to do it. No, of course not. Like I said, though, like, like you, it's a coping coping mechanism. Yeah. It's a toxic one, but like, I don't and know. And Adriana, I think, recognizes that. Credit to her, and 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 we'll touch on that. <laughs> there was also this side thing with Kiki and Julia. Kiki doesn't know what a quail is, and because oh, Julia's saying she eats quail eggs, but she thought she like 
said quail legs. And like she thought she thinks a quail's like a rat. She's like a like a rodent. It's like I Kiki's something else. I want to see more Kiki next season. I want to I like I will I need all of Kiki's backstory. Um and like you know, Alexia Marisol come and, and Adriana like tries to hug Marisol and it's kind of awkward a little and Marisol's kind of like laughing along and and Marisol like, pissed me off during well, this. Well, it got bad later, but Adriana is like a little tipsy and it's just like, I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm so sorry. And Marisol's like, I need a drink in me. <laughs> like not until I get a drink in me. Even after apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, Alexia is also, you know, she's sitting r- directly across from Adriana and, but she's like, you know, I'm just going to be positive. I'm just going to, you know, bring up the fact that I love her song. You know, she might be an asshole, but I love her song, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I feel like she like, like it, it seemed like I will get to it. So actually, yeah, let's get right to it. Well, I, sorry, Kiki again, <laughs> Gertie like starts like doing this like smoke stuff under the table when they're sitting to eat because she want, said they wanted to be on like cloud nine or whatever. And it was like a metaphor. And Kiki just being like, oh, there's smoke and lights coming out of my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Kiki is something else. Uh, I love her. Um, and then Gertie kept, goes up to do a, like a toast or whatever and then immediately starts crying and being like, Adriana, I love you so much. And I know you've been through a lot. <laughs> I feel like that was the wrong way to start this. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but then Adriana gets up and apologizes to Alexia Marisol. And I think this was actually a good apology on Adriana's part. I, th- you know, and honestly, I think Alexia probably would have been more open to accept the apology if it wasn't for Marisol. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like she was right to be hesitant. But in the end, before Marisol started actually in on any, everything, she seemed like she had come around and was really starting to soften to she Adriana. Was a, she was sad. Like, she was crying and being like, you know, Adriana knew me before and after Frankie's accident. And, like, and I think it was a genuine just hurt. I, I do feel she was genuinely hurt. But Marisol just starts piping up with, like, it's not, like, being about excuses and all that. It's like, she doesn't, she does not make things better she's just like adding to it and adriana like makes the point of i think makes the good point of just like i should have just come to you and said i'm feeling upset and i'm feeling left out that would have been more healthier oh yeah of course yeah who'd have thunk expressing your feelings is actually the the healthy way to do things it was actually really astute for adriana which i was kind of surprised at. yeah and then but she starts trying to apologize to marisol and then they get into it more directly and then she makes a comment about like I you know because Marisol's upset for her saying making the comment about her ex and about how he didn't love her and all that stuff. Adriana says something about like because of my ADD I have to say everything and I was like oh god here we go. <laughs> she's not wrong. I mean she's not wrong, but it's like again like yeah. But I mean there was no budging Marisol, and I think that's that's where I'm like you have to be in this like sort of yeah like Marisol likes to hate people yeah. And so she's going to do what she can to continue to have an excuse to hate people. But like I was saying like earlier about like the dynamic on the show, like I think you need to like figure it out because if you, you can't have that yeah. so stringently. And also both Adriana and Marisol are friends of. So it's like you're not like the full cast. 
And like I mean, but they were both previous cast members. Right. So like they're almost actual housewives. They have like a a mojito shot. Sure. <laughs> oh, also she had mo uh, Gerd, uh, uh They had all those drinks on, on tap. tap. <laughs> that was really cool. Like I was impressed by mojitos on tap. Like I want one, please. Yes, that was. And Lisa f- at least fixes it for the moment in terms of the fight. She kind of like gets it to a good place and is like, you know, we all have our things. You probably hate it when I'm crying to you and repeating myself 45 times over in conversations. And kind of lightens the mood in a way, which I I thought was really good. But Alexia and Marisol don't really, like, talk to Adriana after that. They're kind of separate. So, I mean, it's still seeming like there's going to be tension going into the reunion. Well, and the preview for the reunion doesn't look like any sort of piece was uh, gotten to at all. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, But, uh, so then we get the little, like, sort of interstitial cards about everyone's life uh, after filming. And sort of like um, we get a little like extra footage and stuff like that of stuff. Um, Peter apparently broke up with his girlfriend and crashed to, uh, Alexia and Todd's honeymoon in Greece. Oh, so good news. Larsa was right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then also, uh, or Alexia, you mean. Uh, about the, I always mix up everyone's names. Well, that's fine. Speaking of Larsa, we also get to the big thing that I mean that we know now, which is that Larsa is dating Michael Jordan's son, which is. I mean, it had been rumored for a little while, so... But, like, with the whole Scottie Pippen, Mark, Michael Jordan stuff, yeah. and, like... Did you... Oh, did you see any of the clips of her on Tamron Hall? No. Larsa Pippen? Tamron held her to the fucking fire, and Larsa apparently was not happy. It, it, go watch it. It's good. It's really good. Like, Larsa's gonna, I think, have a lot to answer to, but we'll see. Um, and then we see the end thing with Lisa... Of she's still going through the divorce stuff with Lenny, but she's co-hosted Lenny's Halloween party, the annual one at the house. That was such a mistake. Which I was like, why are you doing that? She says she was forced to do it because then we are in this, the confessional and the producer's asking about the party, but she's on her phone and is distracted because there's a headline that comes up that says that Lenny basically told the press that Lisa was romancing two men at the party. So and then she calls her or calls Lenny. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, and like curses him out in the fucking confessional. And she's like, she said something about she was basically forced to do it. So I don't know why. Like, well, I mean, he's the one with the money in this divorce. And like, he holds a lot of the power here. So, I mean, he can pretty much make her do what she, he wants her to. Yeah, and also, like, fuck you for going to the press and saying that. As if you weren't also probably doing that at the same party. You were doing that at parties previously. Yeah. Like, literally, you were having that all of the parties around the house being staffed by a bunch of gorgeous women so that you could ogle them and feel up on them the whole night. Like, yeah, it's like, you're a fucking asshole. He's the worst. Um, but that, but uh, not the worst was the season of Miami. Really great season. Uh, really, really good stuff. And we're going to get into the reunion very soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, it is Vanderpump rules. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, much. Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. 
on a wrestling man. That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy, coming into our final show for the week, Vanderpump Rules. Yes, another great episode. Uh, we're still at the Canyon Club as Sandoval's getting ready for his set, and Katie's storming off upset after yelling at Schwartz and about the whole Sheena stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, and I understand also why she's mad, too, at this point, because she's, all, she talk, she's all talking to Ariana outside about, like, She's also bad that, like, Sheena, like, told Tom about the hookups that she's been having, mm-hmm. which is wrong. Like, there's no reason for Sheena to do that at that point. Yeah, but at, at this point, Sheena is being messy because she's mad at Katie. So she's going to do everything she can to derail her. Yeah, that. and Katie's like, I didn't intentionally tell him about that stuff because I didn't want to be a fucking asshole. Like, I, like, there's no point in rubbing that in his face and to, like, it's like, yeah. yeah. And I felt bad for Katie for like because she was saying in her confessional like she she worries that like if they reach this point where they have to draw lines with the friend group that the whole friend group is going to basically choose Schwartz, which was sad. Like I think like you know I this is where I'm just like Sheena and 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 Sheena's a lot. But I don't. I honestly don't think that that's the case. I don't think everyone will choose Schwartz. I don't. I think. I I mean. Ariana definitely won't. She's she's frustrated that people seem to be giving Schwartz a pass, which when she said that, I didn't think was fair. Now, if she said that at this point, I think that that's more fair because he has made some actions that I don't think is okay. Sure. But, um, you know, it. I she's not siding with him. Like, um, I think Raquel will, uh, Sheena will, Sandoval will be feeling like he's in the middle because he's Tom's best friend and business partner, but Ariana will be putting the pressure on. Sure. Because Ariana's good like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard situation. Like, um, but then we get uh Raquel and Allie uh at one point meet mm-hmm. up at the party and they get the talking to the side and Raquel asked about whether James brought up the stuff about Lala and that they sort of hooked up during the early part of Raquel's relationship. And Ali says that she found out and that they had a discussion about it, et cetera. I like, I like this friendship with Raquel and Ali. I think it's, I do too. I think it's really um, good on Raquel's part. And you know, uh, it gets talked later about whether or not it, this was Raquel's place to tell, tell her about this. I don't. I think that's an argument, but I think, you know, I, we Raquel didn't have that support system for the five years she was with James from anyone in the group because everyone fucking hated James. So why would right. they want to be friends with Raquel? Like, I think if she had an ally for a lot of that time, she probably could have stood up for herself a little bit more. And I, I think when we were watching this, I had said something about as. James's ex, I don't think that it was Raquel's um, place and thought it was really inappropriate for her to bring that up to Allie. Allie. Uh, I knew it was an A word. Allie. um, I thought it was inappropriate for her to bring that up to Allie, but 
in the role of being kind of her confidant and friend and almost mentor in a way in like how to survive a, a relationship with James. Um, I think it was not only her, re- her place, but her responsibility. Yeah. Because again, like you were just saying, like if Raquel had had somebody that if she, if Lala, mm-hmm. for example, who had had experience with James had, been that confidant and friend with Raquel that I feel like Raquel could have put her foot down sooner yeah, and been more sure of herself in that relationship. And Raquel's turning around and trying to be that for Allie. Um, and I think that in that capacity, it is absolutely her job to, to say that to and her. I, and I thought what Allie said was interesting that like James said that he had learned a lot from the experience, like that it was a mistake and he learned a lot. But Al- she says, how did you learn from a secret that you never shared? Like, yeah, I mean, you can, you can do like self-reflection introspection, like that is spurned on by guilt. And that does not involve, um, cluing anybody else in on it. But, um this is james yeah this is james kennedy like that's not happening well and then later so Allie basically tells james about this conversation that raquel had and james is of course pissed and spiraling and is like is she telling you to not be with me and you know like he again he does not know how to keep his cool whatsoever yeah and then basically like well i can go around to all her new flings and basically like say like oh she doesn't suck dick very much it's like Oh, and then Raquel, on, oh. <laughs> watch what happens live when Andy Cohen brings this up to her. She says, oh, I, I want to make a correction. I don't suck his dick very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on her. Raquel, on that watch what happens live, was feeling herself to such a degree, and I loved it. I it loved was it. so good to see her empowered. And, she has arrived, and like I'm here for it. Which, after five years... It's about time, but, like, I understand why it hasn't happened up till now. So, I mean, that was less of a criticism and more of a, finally, I'm so happy to see this from her. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Sandoval gets on stage to perform. Uh, actually, pretty solid, like, from the clips we saw, like, of the performance. <laughs> uh, I wish I had Schwartz's mom. And to the, to the theme of Jesse's girl. It's like, oh, and, like. And then, like, humping the air. <laughs> And had a full had, picture of her. Like I did, think it was like her yearbook photo yeah, or it's something. Like, did she consent to that? Like jeez. Really, Swartz? But then we get to the like Sandoval. Or well, Schwartz. I mean Schwartz had to give him the photo. No, he, he said in confessional that he stole it from him. Oh, for God's sake. Like I cannot. Well, okay, this I can blame Schwartz for. So <laughs> we cut to like montage of Raquel just drinking like just pounding drink and she's literally pounding drinks in her confessional to like emphasize it yeah she literally had she was double fisting she had like a a beer in one hand and like a cocktail in the other and it was like what are you doing yeah and she's drunk and she just leans over to sheena and brock and goes should i ask schwartz to make out and then both of these idiots are both like, yeah, you should. Yeah, Sheena's, Sheena, this, Sheena was so excited. This is the point where you're going from being innocent to being malicious. Like, up until the argument with Katie about where she said, no, that's not what I want, and I never actually wanted that, you could feign ignorance. Maybe. Yeah. But 
at this point, there is no excuse. You know that there's that clarity. This is prob this this is a problem, and you're only doing this to get back at Katie. Yeah. You are literally trying to hurt Katie because she disagreed with you on something. Yeah, but and so Raquel does go up to Schwartz and ask him, and like he says no. But at one point, he's literally like, oh, wait, are we still filming? And, like, looks for the cameras. And, like, is holding her hands in a very, like, romantic manner. And it's... It don't look great for Schwartzy. No, 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 no. We go to Schwartz and Sandy's, and they're trying to work... They're doing another party, a friends and family party that they're trying to organize. Can we just, like, put the energy... In- in going into these parties and actually opening the, the restaurant. Literally, like, Sandoval's like, I know we need to get this restaurant open, but maybe, like, let's work on this party. It's like, why? Like, get the restaurant open. Crazy? Um, but then we sort of see, like, um, you know, Greg, the, the manager that they're uh, working old with. Old Greg. Old Greg. Um, they want to do a date. Like, they want August 26th is, like, the opening date, and he's, like, trepidatious of that. He thinks that they're not going to be able to do that in time. And Well, I mean, he doesn't even really make that point. I felt like it was more of a, oh, well, you didn't include me in this well, discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. like, bro, there are multiple people here. These two people talk the most because they're best friends. Of course they're going to be talking about this shit between themselves. And then inform the other parties. And, and they're broaching it with you now, and it seemed like more of an open discussion. Than and like it was a, literally a month out when the restaurant should be done and all you're really doing is R&D on... And staffing and like... And, and, and like, if you can't staff in a month, you are you really I, as experienced as you portray yourself to be in re- opening restaurants if did, you can't staff... And set a menu in a month. Yeah, Sandoval did say something about like back of the house is harder to like staff right now because of COVID or something. Like I don't I don't know anything about the restaurant industry. So, um, but then we later go to um, uh, Schwartz's apartment as he's trying to get organized, and Sandoval and um, Sheena come over to help him um, to like get figure out what they want to like, get into the apartment. <laughs> he said he like he said like to put like some like a chair and table out on the. About, uh, patio or whatever. Uh, he's like, no, but I don't want to get a rug because I pee out there sometimes. Schwartz is fucking weird. I like. I mean, both of them are weird, but yes. Yeah. Like, and then like they're talking about Katie being upset, and Sheena's like, no, that's bullshit or whatever. Um, and then like Schwartz like says something about like, yeah, Katie. I don't think Katie. It was definitive, but Katie said something to the effect of you shouldn't be friends with her or something, and like to basically be like Katie wants to divide the group. And like she and he's like he called she called you a troll and then Sheena starts crying about being called a troll. It's like oh my god, of course Sheena's crying. It's like you had no problem with being called a bitch, but a troll. Is- yeah, I I don't get Sheena. Sheena's the fucking worst sometimes. Um, we go to Sir and Raquel and Charlie are we're gonna start their shift soon and they're folding silverware. Um, Charlie just came back from the Hamptons and was telling about talking about her drip and being like, I spent $40 on dessert one night on like, ew, where do these people have this money? You're, you're, they're getting paid to be on the show. Plus their wages at sir. And I doubt that Lisa Vanderpump like skimps on the paychecks. Yeah. Yeah. Plus tips. What? Yeah. 
I, there's something I could say to that, but it's a video that if you know, you know, <laughs> I, won't, I won't bring it up. It's a, it's a political topic. Um, but, oh, and Raquel tells Charlie about apparently that James and Allie got into a fight at the club or something like a screaming match. And James got kicked out by security, like towards the end of it, which of course, I mean, is it, who was it later on in the episode said James Kennedy got escorted out of a club? Yeah. Shocker. Who was it that said that? Oh God. Probably. I, th- I think Ariana. Ariana? Yeah. It makes sense. It was Ariana. Um, and then she basically asked like, what do you think about me possibly hooking up with Schwartz? And like, Charlie's good, like, I look for Charlie. Yeah. She's like, I don't think that'd be a good idea. <laughs> Seems a little not good timing. Um, Raquel basically says about like, like, cause she has said before, like she never really thought of Schwartz in that way until Sheena's like talked about it to her. And she also says in her confession, I like that he's always happy to see me. <laughs> Which like get a golden retriever. Yeah, you already get, have a dog. <laughs> and and basically like you know, I can't be looked at as a home wrecker because there's no home to wreck, which I guess is technically true, but like, you know. Um so uh oh uh Vanderpump and James go out to tea. Um which like James at tea is just like a and then both I mean, of them I guess order British. like a British uh, English breakfast, which if you know anything about an e- English breakfast, it's awful. Yeah. Um, James is talking about how, he, you know, of course he's drinking again and like, you know, they sort of get into sort of like the drinking is kind of a bit of a crutch. And like, you know, we, we talked about how he shouldn't have gotten into a relationship this quickly after the whole, you know, uh, Raquel breakup. Um, and like, like it's just like i i don't think james is honest with himself in terms of like what he is feeling and what he needs he says at one point i'm just an you know i just feel like an older more mature guy now it's like you're definitely older i don't think mature by any yeah ways. like uh, yeah james is uh, i there's too much to say and you know, and I think you know he would much rather. LVP kind of implies that he would even sabotage the relationship with Allie at the end of the day. If that's oh, probably because he, she said like he would much. I, he's very hurt by the fact that Raquel dumped him. Yeah, in terms of an ego hit. So like he would dump Allie in order to get back at her or something. Yeah. But I mean, credit the, to them, they're still together, and it's March. So yeah, that was um, August twenty sixth, the month before that. So end of July. So yeah. There's that. Um, we go to the friends and family event at Schwartz and Sandy's. I we mentioned that I don't think we've ever seen Sandoval's parents until this episode. Yeah, I am just realizing that. And apparently, I mean, thank you to um, commenters on TikTok. Apparently, of the money that Sandoval has been getting to throw into this uh, restaurant and throw into, you know, an extravagant band is coming from his parents. Yeah. I didn't realize that at all. I don't remember that being talked about on the show. So his mom is apparently a, was a firefighter and like a very like well-respected firefighter and like, yeah, but that's not exactly lucrative. Yeah. I don't know where the money is coming from. It's, it's still confusing to me. Um, Katie comes to the party with, uh, Christina Kelly who used to work at sir and was in sort of like some of the earlier seasons. She said like they last got together at like, at, well, they say at our friend's wedding in Italy. Say Stasi. Why can't we say Stasi's name? Like, re- like really? I'm pretty sure they said Jax's name this season. Yeah, it's just 
Why? Like, that's so stupid. frustrating. And I, I, the Stasi erasure is really just like bring, yeah, irritating. Bring, bring Stasi back. Uh, I also just noted that like there, like Swartz is just like going around, like passing around this like she says like a Peruvian tuna ceviche, and no one wants it. Like <laughs> every every cut camera cut they go to him offering it, nobody wants this for some reason. But then later on, like when they're talking about the items that are, they talk about them flying off the tray, yeah, and it was just like where. They Show me the, one shot. They said the vegan raviolis, which like... Oh, no, it was the raviolis that were flying yeah. off the tray. Not the... not the. Okay. No, no one wanted that ceviche. Um, Lala isn't at the party because she's sick still. Um, but, then we, but we cut to her at her place, sick in bed. <laughs> she's watching, watching Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's like just getting... like. But also, it was like a really early season of Beverly Hills. And I thought she's... I mean, maybe she's just rewatching. I yeah. mean, we are all uh, love our comfort shows. Yeah. Um, you know, Katie and um, Ariana and Christina get to talking, and, you know, Ariana basically asked about, like, the whole stuff at the uh, Canyon Club. And, like, basically it's like, do you really think, like, this sort of, like, friendship thing with Schwartz where we're just maintaining things, do you think it's, like, sustainable? And Katie is, you know, sort of questioning things and being like, you know, I don't, I, to like, don't, not wanting it flaunted in her face. And she literally says, if that's the dynamic, that's fine. I'll run a train in this restaurant. <laughs> like, <laughs> good on Katie. That was, that was a fun comment. And then Katie also says that she wants to organize a girl's trip, um, which, yay, first trip of the season. Um, and that she is inviting Raquel, um, but not, of course, inviting Sheena. And then they're flying, apparently flying to the only airport that they've ever used which is yeah. <laughs> vegas back to vegas on vanderpump rules shocker i know they love them some vegas um so katie and schwartz then at some point get to talking um and like yeah they sort of this is this is why they're not together <laughs> this is like this is why they're they don't have a healthy like dialogue with each other like schwartz is like venting about like the stuff with sheena and, and kind of defending sheena which like okay whatever but then like as katie's responding and yes katie can be long-winded unless katie can be a little abrasive in certain regards but he's also just not listening at all he's literally like as she's talking like saying hi to people and like like I doing mean, everything everything but listening to her. so like i get it because he's literally hosting a party like his job is to be schmoozing with people. So he should not have started this conversation in right. the middle of this party. Um, and bringing up Sheena, like, and knowing it was a hot button issue. Like, so, I mean, a, another shocker is that <laughs> Schwartz doesn't know how to choose his timing. Yeah. Um, but he shouldn't have brought it up. And then I honestly think Katie should have put a kibosh on it. Sure. It, it wasn't on her to do. But I think she knew that it was going to be a problem and continued the conversation. Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, I'm on her side with it. Yeah. But and so it's basically, if I were her, I would have stopped the conversation. Shorts is basically like, this conversation needs to end and you need to leave. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. Um, we go later to Katie and Ariana and Raquel getting together. Um, and they're just sort of drinking and having a good time and talking. Uh, and Katie brings up again the girls' trip, and that she wants Raquel to come. And Raquel's kind of like, "Well, 
fuck, I got it. Like, I, she had no choice but to sort of, like, tell Katie in that moment what but happened. But good on her for doing it. Like, yeah. She, she could have easily concealed that, and she didn't. She chose to be forthright. Yeah, and she, like, basically is like, look, I asked Schwartz to make out at the thing. He said no, but, like, you know, it... And, like, Katie's... Katie feels genuinely upset, and I just, like... I feel like, you know, but she, I will say she seems to be forgiving enough of Raquel. Like she's basically like, was Sheena the first one to like sort of plant the idea in your head? And she was like, yeah, pretty much. And, and Katie's like, of course. And Katie in her confession being like, I mean, it's Sheena's fault. Raquel's not smart enough to come up with this on her own. It's she's like, like cotton candy. It's like, thank you. If I'm Raquel, like, I'm, you know, um, but and there's just something about Katie crying at the dinner table and just being like, "I just want to have fun. Let's have fun." <laughs> um, and then we go to Tom Tom, as LVP is meeting with the Toms to sort of talk about things, and she they kind of sort of like <laughs> they're like she's like, "What's going on with Greg?" Because like Greg like basically told me like he's like tearing his hair out with this whole situation. He doesn't have a lot to tear out, like. And Schwartz being like, "We love Greg." And then Sandoval having to be like, look, we don't love Greg. Like, let's stop. <laughs> like, you can't just say stuff, Schwartz, as if, like, you know. And herein lies all the problems. <laughs> but then we find out that, like, one of the frustrations about, like, wanting to open as quickly as they want to is that they're paying the rent on this place, even though he owns the lease. And it's not cheap. No. And so LVP's like, why the hell did you not tell me this when you first signed this thing? Because I would have told you not to. Like, like... And, like, Schwartz is, like, crying and, like, you know, thinking, like, because he's, like, oh, God, everything that's happened in my life with my marriage and this restaurant, and now this restaurant, like, it's in turmoil because I'm of I'm sure shit. he feels like a fucking failure right now. Yeah. And, but, and I think part of it, like, getting with Greg was, like, to kind of, like, and, and sort of ego move on their parts to be, like, we can do this without Lisa. But, and like. But if you're having to bring somebody in that you, A, don't know, and don't have a rapport with enough to trust and all of that other stuff. Wouldn't you rather just do this with LVP? Because at the end of the day, you're still getting a sponsor somewhere. And yeah. at least, you know, LVP and trust her to take care of you mm -hmm. as opposed to this other joker who is apparently screwing you over and being an asshole about it. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like Lisa, say what you will about Lisa. She has her faults, but like, she genuinely cares about these kids yeah. and the kids like Schwartz is 40, <laughs> but <laughs> like she genuinely cares about this cast and, um, she's going to take care of them when she can. Yeah. Like, why would you not take advantage? Like not take advantage as abuse, but take advantage as a take what's being offered to you. Like she offered, if you remember last season, she offered to fill this role. Right. And they decided to go a different direction. And, and yeah. And so now they're basically, and we'll see, probably see in the episodes coming too. like, they, they need to sort of buy Greg out essentially. And I hope they end up doing it because. And Ariana like was teasing on Twitter that there's more to the Greg stuff. Uh, yeah. I think will be interesting to see. Um, but overall really good episode of, of Vanderpump rules. I love the way this season's going and progressing. Um, th yeah. If they keep up this pace, it's going to be a, a top notch season. All right, so at the end of every episode, uh, we do the tops and bottoms for the episode. Um, so out of Potomac, Jersey, Miami, and Vanderpump Rules, 
Who are your tops and bottoms? Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox have called it quits. A source tells Access Hollywood on Friday that the pair have broken up. The update comes amid claims that Tom allegedly cheated on Ariana with their Vanderpump Rules co-star Raquel Levis. My top is going to go to Raquel. I think Raquel, it's so good to see like this like invigorated person who's not meek and who's not mellow and who's willing to say things and willing to, you know, even to an extent where I may not agree with it, do things that are shaking things up a little bit. Like, I think, you know, she's finding her voice in many ways, and it's good to see um, because I, I always liked her, and I, I think if she can be, like, as strong of a character as everyone else, I think, like, it's, it's really good to see. My bottom for this week goes to Giselle Bryant. Giselle Bryant needs to get the stick out of her ass. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, the, you're hurting the show at the end of the day. There is yeah. no reason to have this kind of disdain for people like Wendy. There is no reason for your bullshit to, you know, do damage like this to the show, both on the offense and on the defense of like ousting, trying to oust people like Wendy and then trying to do all this stupid bullshit with Chris and like, you know, and, and hiding the stuff about Robin. Like, you know, you're just being a mess. You need to get your shit together. What about you, babe? So my top for the week um, is going to be Wendy. Mm. Um, she really, I believe, handled herself with such grace. And even in the, in the midst of being on the verge of a breakdown at the reunion and really like under the weight of all that she's had to deal with this season, she still had grace and poise. And like, there are so many people who could not do that. Yeah. And she just, she handled it beautifully and it, it's something to admire like that, that sort of grace under pressure is, is rare. Um, now, when it comes to bottoms for the week, mm-hmm. there were options. <laughs> there, I mean, I, I could have gone with, like you did, I could have gone with Giselle. I could have gone with Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have gone with um, Greg on Vanderpump. Mm-hmm. I could have gone with Schwartz on Vanderpump. I could have gone with Sheena on Vanderpump. <laughs> you know, like I said, there's options. Um, but I think the one that I have settled on is um, probably Lenny's mom. Yeah, fucker. Like, this is just some duplicitous shit. Like, she has supported Lisa up till now and has really been a confidant and a safe place for her to commiserate about this divorce and how difficult this has been. And then she turns around and is seemingly plotting against her now on behalf of Lenny. I would have understood if she had done that from the beginning because that's her kid. But to do this duplicitous shit, that's like Lisa has enough to deal with. She doesn't need her. She doesn't need someone else stabbing her in the back. Yeah. And it, like I said last week, it felt so sinister and it continued to feel sinister. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, by virtue of Lisa, you know, kind of liking and supporting our clip from last week, talking <laughs> about this moment, it seems like Lisa felt that way about that moment too. Right. And it just, it underlines how, how dirty and backhanded this was. And it just, it, I don't know why it just sits in my gut. Yeah. Like that moment just, it felt so gross to me and it still feels, I can feel for Lisa in that moment and how she probably felt extremely violated. Like she felt like all of her trust was gone out the window, like her support system was gone. And, um, I, I really feel for her in that moment and really hope that she has, and, and I mean, obviously we see her able to lean on other people, her, her castmates and whatnot. Um, so I hope that she's able to get that support elsewhere. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of a gay and his envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening and check us out on our social media at a gay and his envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.